What's up and welcome back to Coast to Coast. Happy Friday. Happy Celtics win if you're a Boston fan. Man, we are coming off of one of the most exciting starts to a finals game. Unfortunately, I am running solo today. Ronan can't make it on. Everyone else is having a great time, as they should, going into the weekend. And I just can't stop thinking about what happened last night. So we're just going to take a little bit of time today. We're going to break down some of what happened last night. And I just want to start off with one thing. Because the biggest thing we thought about when we went into this series between the Celtics and the Warriors was the greatest advantage that the Celtics had. 89 points per 100 possessions is what the Celtics held the Golden State Warriors to in the half court. When the Golden State Warriors across the playoffs this season had a 99.9 rating there, which was third in the playoffs. And we got to talk about that. Let's start there because I don't want to make this all Celtics-centric necessarily, but the reality is, is that the Warriors have answered questions about their team for years now. We already talked about six out of eight appearances in the finals this past eight years what they've done when they're healthy there weren't a lot of questions about it a lot of the questions were all about the celtics but big thing is can they contain the warriors can they figure out this dynamic offense that can run so many actions over and over again and just drill down defenses even defenses that have looked good throughout the regular season and the celtics are absolutely no exception to that. i mean they've been far and away the best defense since the turn of this year and they looked pretty damn good last night. And we got to address the first quarter. Because I think for a lot of Celtics fans, I mean, we've, we've already said it, that they're one of the only teams that can look like they're losing when they're up by 10. But they sure looked like they were losing this first quarter. I think words like shell-shocked can apply. As you see, a lot of, a lot of open Curry threes, a lot of miscues there. But let's actually take a look in that. Let's, let's take a look at what happened in that first quarter. And if it was as bad as advertised, because Curry, by himself, in that first quarter, had 21 points. 21 points. He had hit six of eight of his threes, broke the record for most three-point field goals in a playoff game quarter. And he just looked electric. It looked like nothing could stop the Warriors when Curry is going and you know, they're not necessarily wrong about that. But I think what we got to look at actually is, is a, if you, if you go back, you look at six minutes into the game, you start to see the Celtics shine. You start to see what they do defensively. You see Brown navigating a loony screen to stay in front of Clay. He cuts off his baseline dribble, forces him to reset. Clay has to get another screen for a backdoor cut and Brown has to stay able to respect that shot. And that's what they've had to, to deal with this entire game. You have to respect that both Clay, both Curry are going to be able to shoot off of rescreens and relocating. But the difference here is that in this play and throughout the entire game, Al Horford's there. Al Horford's there to defend that backdoor cut and to hand him off to Brown. And Looney just has the ball at the wing with nothing to do. And they reset. And this is... You know, 12 seconds left, but there's so much left the Warriors can do in this possession. And this is so key. Because as Clay is turning the corner, Draymond Green gets the ball back at the top of the key. And he's already motioning the offense to come around. Curry comes off the screen, but Tatum is there. Tatum goes over the screen. He's defending that. And Marcus Smart is ready for Draymond Green to slip that. 
And as soon as he does, he gets there. He gets his hand on the ball. Draymond Green's on the ground. They get it back to Clay. There's four seconds, and Clay is one of the best shooters of all time. Maybe he can create something against Tatum. But no, Tatum stays defensively sound. He keeps his hands out and in front. He stays in front of Clay. He doesn't let him get an open look, and it's a Draymond Green three at the end of this possession. And there's so many possessions like that throughout the game that I think better characterize what the Celtics defense has done as opposed to the open threes that Curry just mysteriously had. Because in reality, a lot of the shots that the Curry were getting, the Curry was getting, they were through miscues. A couple, couple times, you know, he, he got an easy backdoor layup over Smart. Smart's over-aggressive, trying to defend him, cut into the three-point line. And then just a couple times, he's just running up the floor. The defense isn't set. They miscue, and he just gets a wide open three. But they did a fantastic job over the course of the game. I mean, it, outside of this hot first half, look what he did in the second half. He, he was not as hot. He, If you look back at the, uh, the stat sheet, he was just not as efficient. Not as efficient. And that's the biggest question. That's the biggest question for the Celtics that they had to answer. Is can they contain Curry? Well, in the second half, 13 points on 5 of 14. 20% from 3. I think that's more representative of what they can do. So you look at the second quarter. They can't just keep running everything through Curry. They start running a lot of actions away from Curry, just trying to use Curry's gravity, running two-man game with a super small lineup of OPJ out there. And OPJ got hot. You got to give him a little bit of credit there. But they weren't able to just keep running actions to Curry because Smart was there. Derek White was there. And Grant Williams, we, we, got, we got to talk about Grant Williams real quick because this defense is just so switchable. Like Tatum comes out of the game in, in the first quarter and as soon as he subbed out, the Warriors try to get him in action, try, try to get an advantage out of it. And Grant Williams is just trusted to switch on to Curry. Now, this is unfortunate because like the second Grant Williams has an assignment on Curry, he's just in the middle of his hot streak. And he just dances on him at 32 feet and hits a three right in his face. But it was good defense. It was all you can ask for. Next possession, Warriors go at him again with Poole. He switches onto Poole off the pick and roll. He switches then onto Thompson and then to Curry again. And there's just no easy advantages. Like you see Clay Thompson get a second chance point later on. You see Curry get to the line. But guys like Grant Williams were huge in this game. And I think you got to think about what was the depth question. So many, so many people in the media were talking about how the Warriors have much more depth. And I think offensively, you know, that, that's true. They, they have a lot more that they can do offensively. Otto Porter Jr., uh, Otto Porter Jr. playing the four was a huge advantage for them. And the things he did from three-point line. Jordan Poole did not have a good game. Andre Iguodala, you, you dusted him off. He had a couple of shots, but he, you know, he didn't look as dynamic as you'd expect from him as a playmaker. Are you going to rely on Kaminga? I don't know. So, I mean, they have more guys, but when you talk about the Celtics, you talk about seven guys who I believe are elite defenders. You throw Grant Williams out there, and you're okay with him being on an island with Steph Curry. It, that, that's, just, that's just depth that you don't have on most teams. It's not. And that's something that's going to continue to fuel them. And I think that was the better way to frame the question when you 
when you think about who has better depth. Sure, that the Warriors are going to have, I think, a little, a little bit more dynamic shooters. That's something that they have the advantage on. But in terms of depth of defense and what that's going to do to impact this series, not just this game, it's going to be huge for the Celtics. But I, I think I also want to talk about um, <laughs> yeah, the biggest surprise of this. And everyone's going to say, yeah, this isn't going to last. Not gonna, of course it's not going to last. But what matters is you have guys that are going to show up, especially when your stars are down. White, Smart, and Al Horford shot 65% from three. 45 points just beyond the arc. Derek White, everyone's favorite worst player on the Celtics, who's finally, finally really starting to get aggressive. It was a plus 25. Got to give Derek White a shout-out to. The second he got on the floor, he got the ball in his hands, he's responsible to make a play, he splits a double team. And the, the Warriors here, as soon as they got Tatum off the floor, they're running a 2-3 zone. They're, they're, they're expecting that they can, they're, they're going to survive whatever shooting the Celtics have out there. And Derek White breaks his own, hits a floater. And th- this is the beauty of what I think the Celtics can do without Tatum doing well, is that they've learned how to be more of an egalitarian team. And that's exactly what you saw from the Grizzlies. When the Grizzlies did not have John Morant, they started to rely on each other. Everyone was able to make plays for each other. And it was awesome. I mean, Jalen Brown, too, didn't have the most efficient game of all time. But once he started to handle the ball better and one thing to keep an eye on is that Jalen Brown in the pick and roll has looked awful I've not looked up the stats on this but it's it's got to be really bad because he does not deal with those situations very well as the Warriors are just easily able to send help with another defender right there but in the isolation even against Andrew Wiggins who's done an amazing job I mean he's got his shots Jalen Brown's got his shots but I want to definitely focus back on the white Smart and Al Horford deal because, man, you could make a long clip if all the things that Marcus Smart has done just just in the second quarter alone. I mean, Marcus Smart. I mean, his whole arm was in the cookie jar, getting a steal from Pool, and then goes right to score. And then there's a pick and roll where it's just Smart on Wiggins all the way on the weak side in the corner. And Looney just has a clear path to the rim. Nobody's there. And Smart goes all the way from the corner, right under the rim, and just perfectly times it, strips it, boom, to the other end. And this guy, the way he was chasing Curry around the floor, I mean, that just can't be can't be understated. The way he's navigating screens, the way he's communicating, most of all. Smart and Horford, their ability to communicate and constantly have this team switching when they have to switch, Dropping when they have to drop. And a lot of people are, are talking about, you know, the drop coverage, like why are you doing it on the curry? And they're not wrong. It's not wrong. But that's the strength of this Celtics defense is that they can navigate those situations individually. They can have the best they can have the best matchup by not just switching everything, but they can play the drop there. They can zone up. They can do things on in very specific moments as defenders with that communication. You saw that fall apart. When you don't have Al Horford or Marcus Smart on the floor, a lot of that starts to go away. So it's just bigger props to these two guys as defensive anchors, not just with their play, but with their IQ, with their leadership, and what they're doing on the floor. But defensively, I think as a whole, that's that's the biggest question: is are there is their defense going to matter here? 
the Warriors are such an awesome juggernaut. And you saw it at times. The Warriors are just going to continue to get the looks that they want. But they didn't do it. I don't think they did it consistently against the Celtics defense. I mean, the Celtics defense really started going. And when they, they, it felt like they were going the whole game, but they did not have as many lapses in the second half. It was the second half where they started to get more discipline. The second quarter, I think in particular, third quarter was a little bit suspect, but you, you have to live with that. In the third quarter, Warriors are going to get hot from three. You have to give space to some shooters in order to to spread out your defense. And there are going to be quarters like that. But the fact is, is that they survived. And the 40-point quarter in the fourth by Boston, unbelievable. Obviously unbelievable. Hot shooting, and you need to have that. But the 16 points, that's the highlight right there. The 16 points from the Golden State Warriors. In the fourth, that was not them just missing shots. That was the Celtics locking in. That was the Celtics having a better feel after three quarters of play and not letting them get anything. This is a quarter where Jason Tatum scores zero points. And you survive because of amazing defense. You didn't give Curry a single three. Klay Thompson got two looks at a three. There is nothing there for them at the perimeter, and they had enough help to rotate to the inside. And I think that's one thing that maybe was undersold here is that the Celtics have enough length where they can recover in a way that I don't think the Warriors have had to deal with. The Grizzlies, they they do it and they have it at times, but they are not the same. They are not the same animal. They they play with energy. They play with a frenetic pace and they're going to be all over the court, but they can be dissected in a way that the Celtics have shown that they can't be. And if this continues, I think that that's going to be the big story. It's not going to be all the, sh- the crazy shooting. It's not going to be you know Jalen Brown continuing to ascend as a scorer, although he was impressive in many moments. It's just going to continue to be that defense that has been strong for them there. And on that note, Jason Tatum, where did he go? That's, that's TBD. I, I don't have an answer for that, but it just felt like jitters. It felt like you have in the first quarter, four of the first five plays were designed to get Tatum a shot. You just couldn't hit him. You just couldn't hit him. And Marcus Smart did a great job just trying to screen for him, get the ball to him, and the whole team was oriented around that. But once Tatum realized that that wasn't going to happen, although he still had some terrible drives and just not looking comfortable getting to his spots, he still facilitated. He still found a way to get other guys involved. And that, I think, is a bigger takeaway than him only scoring 12 points in his finals debut. That That's my takeaway, is the 13 assists. The 13 assists and the defense. You want to see your star when he's not doing what you expect him to do from scoring. That he's going to be able to move the ball. That he's going to be able to play defense. He shot 3 of 17, but... We keep making this comparison, but if Luka Doncic is, is doing that badly, we saw what he did in the elimination game against the Warriors. He's trotting back. He's letting them play four-on-five defense. Jason Tatum was right there defending every single minute of his 41-minute performance, defending his life away, playing up on Curry, switching, dropping everything, everything that Yudoka has asked for this team. And I think that's what we, you have to respect that although it was a terrible performance offensively, he's going to get there. He's got his open looks. 
you expect him to shoot a lot better than 20% from three. And it wasn't like he wasn't able to get to his spots. He just didn't look comfortable. So I looked to that being a lot better. Um, I think we also have to talk about um, the X factors that we compared real quick. Jalen Brown for the Celtics. We already said how awesome he was. And we were asking where people are at. I need to know where Jordan Poole was at. And I, I, is this just a, a Celtics defensive odd? Maybe, maybe it is. I don't want to ramble too long about just one thing this entire time. But Jordan Poole, four turnovers. And that's that's a major stat that you sticks out right there. One of five from three. Two of seven from the floor. Nine points. Negative 19. Worst on the team. He's a guy that absolutely needs to do well here. Not do well. He needs to do great. So I think how, how much do you rely on Klay Thompson at this stage in his career? How much do you expect from him? But Jordan Poole needs to get it done. Has he faced a defense like this? Has he been able to penetrate this defense? No. I don't, there's too many good perimeter defenders out there to let that happen. And then when you look at the lineups he's facing, you're not going to have him get into the paint and score when you have weak side help from Rob Williams. There's just so many factors that I think he needs to adjust to, and this will be another mark of his greatness if he can manage to navigate that because this is a very difficult defense to figure it out with. And that's that leads me to this, and I, I don't want to end with this because there were a lot of questions answered, mostly by the Celtics here because all the questions are really about them. But how deep is Kerr willing to go into his bench? Because they got to respond. They, they they know it. They're acting casual about it. They're acting positive, which they got to be. I mean, these these are champions for a reason. These are champions for a reason. They know how to bounce back. They know how to face adversity. But they just lost game one at home when they hadn't lost a single game at home this whole playoffs. Kerr's got to do something different. You saw Iguodala out there, and great to see him there but he just doesn't bring that punch athletically that you need can you trust Kaminga I think that you have to respect Kaminga getting to the rim that he's going to put a lot of pressure there when Gary Payton Jr. is back how many minutes is he going to get because he absolutely is necessary if you're going to you got to start respecting these Celtic shooters the way that they've been shooting right now but it's ironic that you know I'll, I'll end on this that with the Warriors being the team that we know them to be, and that all the questions were posed towards a Celtics team that you know had no playoff experience, had no finals experience, compared to the Warriors who had over 120 games just on their team. That the Warriors are the team right now that they have to adjust. I think the Celtics have their game plan. Like there, there will be tweaks here and there, but they know what they want to do. They know who they want to be, and it's going to be through their defense, which in a shocking fashion. I think has demonstrated to us is going to hold up against what this Warriors team is. Can the Warriors adjust? Can they find a way to do something different in order to beat this team? We got game two on Sunday. Hopefully I won't be alone that time, but guys, thanks for sticking with me. We'll be talking about it then. I won't say goal Celtics here because we don't have the guys on, but I just can't wait for a little bit more finals basketball. It's been very exciting. And everybody, have a great rest of your weekend. Stay safe and take care. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. 
Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.